I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. The Emmy Awards are coming, and while many will be watching to see who will win Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Show, a few of us will be looking to see who wins the awards for production and set design. As a fan of television and movies, as well as design and architecture, the Emmy Awards present the best of both worlds for me. I had the opportunity to sit with Juan Morales, publisher of Emmy Magazine, before Emmy season started, and we discussed both the magazine, the Emmys themselves, and the art behind the creation and production of set design. I think you'll enjoy hearing about what happens behind the scenes of an award show like this. I really wanted to shed some light on this aspect of the Emmys because it seems like most of the art department categories get announced during the, uh, during the commercial breaks. And that might be the case here. I don't know. We'll see. Following my conversation with Juan is a chat with award-winning set decorator Kimberly Wanup. Also a set decorator, Society of America member, Kim has worked on a number of your favorite shows, including Bones, The Good Place, Veep, Parks and Recreation, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Kim is a six-time Emmy nominee and a primetime Emmy Award winner for her work on Veep. The set decorators, art directors, and all of the members of the art department have this unique job of telling a story. A story about characters, both real and imagined, in a way that shows how they live or lived, how they became the characters the actors want you to believe them to be. Kimberly Wanup is an absolute pro, and this is her story. Combo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond, always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. Snyder Diamond is a family-owned and operated company that serves the Southern California design and architecture community as well as discriminating homeowners through remarkable customer service and a curated offering of kitchen and bath appliances, fixtures, and finishes. The products at Snyder Diamond include the industry's best, like the full line of Mila appliances. Mila, a family-owned and operated company offering industry-leading products since 1899. This includes a full line of refrigerators, ovens, steamers, cooktops, wine units, coffee machines, dishwashers, ventilation hoods, washers, and dryers. All of these products are made using the highest standards in manufacturing and industry-leading technology to provide a superior class of appliance. Form, function, and future. That's Mila. Pair that with the standard bearer when it comes to customer service, and Snyder Diamond delivers dreamy kitchens that exceed expectations. If that's not enough, right now, and for a very limited time, Mila is offering some amazing and very generous rebates and offers. For details on these, and to see the full line of Mila products, visit any of the three Southern California Snyder Diamond locations, or visit online at SnyderDiamond.com. Combo by Design with uh, Juan Morales. From Emmy Magazine. I am. You are. How long have you been with Emmy Magazine? December will be 13 years. Wow. I know. You've seen a lot. I have. And I'm grateful because uh, the print publishing world has had a very difficult time, particularly over the last five to ten years. But uh, Emmy is a publication that's the official publication of the Television Academy where they do the Emmy Awards. And our magazine goes to the members of the Television Academy, which is now more than 24,000 people. So our print is actually increasing as membership of the Academy increases. And the, probably the greatest asset we have as a value proposition for advertisers is that our magazine is the only one that goes to 100% of the voters for the Emmy Awards. It's not like the trades where you can capture a percentage perhaps, but we can give you all of them. So 
people like to advertise to reach the voters, and they also like to do kind of uh, eye-catching advertisements, gatefolds, DVDs, things that are a little bit more uh, uh, stop and take a look at them. And that, again, in print is really the only place you can do that. So we've been really fortunate in that respect. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, You've been writing writing for them? Yes, I used to write more. I'm busier now on the publishing side. I oh, have a full-time editor. Yeah. But, but also, as we have, again, as our advertising has gotten more robust, I work more closely with our ad sales uh, person, with our printer, and so forth, and then still editorially. But I, my writing has, has reduced over time, unfortunately. I do as much as I can. You say unfortunately, but what do you like? Do you like being on the publishing side, or do you like being on the journalism side better? Uh, I, I would tell you when I was first hired, I was purely a person with an editorial background. So I was I was hired in a sense uh, on a probationary basis to demonstrate that I could get proficient with the publishing side. And so I, I was able to do that and, and that's really dominated most of my work. So I've come to enjoy that and to, and to appreciate that I have had the aptitude to, to take care of that. But my what's most enjoyable and gratifying on a purely creative level is the stories and the, and the coming up with ideas, hiring writers and photographers even if I'm not doing it just just so you can see that that thing come to full fruition but the greatest satisfaction is the the, the full magazine which reflects both sides of it but if I were really had to choose I would I really do like writing uh, the most but I'm comfortable with my with my compromise so to speak so today you're here at West Edge 2017 um, you're you're going to be moderating a panel with the uh, the SDSA, the Set Decorator Society of America. Yes. What are you talking about today? The topic is the art of silent storytelling and how set decorators are uh, storytellers in their own right. They create an environment with objects and artwork and furnishings and so forth that even if you had no sound, you could look at the frame and you would learn something about the characters, the tone of the story, the, how they contribute to the narrative in the same manner as all the other crafts. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, I, I've had the I've had the good fortune to interview dozens of set decorators, and it's fascinating because for as much as they do, most people don't know they even exist. Right. If they're doing it right, you you don't. That's, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating with the with the amount of 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 um, their impact. You know, a writer. You know what the writer does, the actor. You know what the actor does, the director, the producers, they make it all happen. You, you get what everybody does, but the set decorator, and they're making choices. You know, why put this frame here instead of that frame? Or why use this sofa instead of that sofa? Well, because that's, that's who the family, that's what the family would have, would have purchased. Right. And it's amazing. Yes, uh, and, and also just having had the chance to talk to these decorators before doing this panel, the anecdotes like that are, are endless because you could see uh, Ken uh, Sharp, who runs Modern Props, which is a prop house that services a lot of these people, um, talked about somebody wanted a, a, a telephone that had lights on it or something like that. So they had to fabricate something. He had to come up with a circuit board. He had to make it uh, functional. And so there was, uh, in the end, you're going to just see this phone in a scene, and it looks like, like a phone, but you have no idea of all the hours and the thought and the collaboration that went into this, just to that one little object, let alone the entire set. It's interesting too, and, and I guess it comes back to what you do, where you're reporting, you know, the Emmy is, the Emmy's uh, a form, not the only form, but it is certainly a form of currency by which the set decorators and everyone else in the industry trades, right? Yes, no doubt. 
Yes, it's uh, the Emmy, the Oscar, the the uh, Tony, and the Grammy. <laughs> I guess if you want, as 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 far as within the, those fields, and and then we're aware of that as an organization, and it's a really important aspect of what we do uh, to to recognize that excellence. And this, what is also good, is that it's not solely the art director or production designer who receives or is eligible for that award. That it is the decorator because the decorator only well the uh, whatever you want to say the art director is only as good as the decorator who is in sync with them. Do you produce exclusively for the trade, or do you also keep general market, non-trade in mind? Uh, with regard to our editorial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the end, well, I would say that it's, it's a, a bit of a hybrid dominated by our, our readers who are our members of the Television Academy. So the Television Academy, first of all, it's going to be all about television in some way or one another. Um, also, our organization is structured within what are called peer groups. So there's actors and writers and directors and so forth, but there's also set decorators. There are uh, picture editors. There's stunt people. There are uh, wardrobe people. So we have 30 peer groups, choreographers, whomever. So we have a responsibility and a duty to cover the whole breadth of television. We aren't just going to have uh, stars and, and uh, uh, showrunners, which we do, but we will also find ways to integrate the sound people or the, uh, um, uh, gosh, the people who operate the, 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 uh, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the mixing board, whatever it happens to be. I mean, so we, we, we want to do that. But as for the reader, we write it at a place where it's not full of, of TV jargon so that it's inaccessible to a general reader. We want it to read uh, with entertaining, uh, appropriate tone as a, maybe a, a general uh, consumer publication might, although our editorial focus is specific to TV and our greatest number of recipients are members of the Television Academy, so they're really in the business. Last question I have for you. How did you, how did you plan, how did you prep for, for this panel? Because I would, I would imagine that for you too, you, you got a chance to sort of go back journalistically. It's true. And think about what direction you want to go this in and how do I, yeah, how do I pull this, how do I I pull to, this out? Uh, it was kind of like reporting a story uh, in a sense. If I was going to write something, I would interview people, I would take notes, I would, and I would prepare my thoughts, and I, I would, in fact, write something. I, those steps are the same, except for the equivalent of the writing is when I'm going to be in the room with the, the panelists. Uh, Phil put me in touch with everybody. Everybody gave me a little bit of time on the phone. Maybe I was 20 minutes or so on the telephone with everybody. I talked about the theme of the event, some of their questions, some of their personal experiences. I put together an outline. I shared it with them. And so I kind of know what the roadmap is. We'll see how it turns out. But, but that was I, I was, I had to do it because as much as I enjoy the topic, I'm by no means an authority on set decoration. So I'm really there to get them talking and let them share their expertise because I'm, I'm uh, in a go-between, but I don't claim that I have any special knowledge. That's why, here, that's why they're here. Well, I can't wait to hear it. And the... Uh, the conversation the panel is going to be recorded and uh published as an episode of convo by design so everyone will get to hear it after it's done, to see it. if they couldn't all make right. it today <laughs> all, all right. right juan morales with uh, emmy magazine thanks for the time thanks for having me here that was emmy magazine's juan morales up next is set decorator emmy award-winning set decorator kimberly wanup if you like this episode and i hope that you do please give us a five-star rating and review on apple podcasts that's iTunes for, uh, for those new podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, and it is greatly appreciated. Thank you. I mean, I was here when it was the... Um, American Apparel? American, I was here before it was American Apparel, and I shot bones in these 
buildings. Did you? Which was great, like warehouse, empty warehouse, which requires a lot of dressing, actually. But <laughs> how, long, how long did you work on Bones for? I did season, uh, I started on season one as the buyer, and then I took over second season till season six. When did you get into the business? I came here after college, and um, I gave myself six months and, and tried to work, and I just sent out 10 resumes a day. Like, I didn't care who it was. I didn't care if I changed the font on my resume. I sent it again. I just knew that I had to get a job or my parents weren't going to let me stay. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to get a job. So that was the motivation. Now, did you know what you wanted to do when you got here? I did. I'm, I started out just not really knowing all the positions in the art department, which are very confusing. So I just knew that I wanted to do design on screen. So I, I didn't even know, like, I knew it was like a production designer. And I knew there was a set decorator, but I didn't know the differences till I worked in an art department and I saw seriously what everybody did. So you went to college? Yes. Where'd you go? Philadelphia University. Okay. PU. <laughs> yes. So you decide you're coming out to LA because you want to you be in LA. Yeah. You got six months or your parents are calling you back. Yeah. They're yanking the leash. They're still yanking it. Are yeah. they really? Oh my God. Up until... I mean, they would check the credits, and if my name weren't in the credits of the show I was working on, they'd be like, are you done? Are you done yet? Can you come the hell home? And up until my first Emmy nomination, then they eased off a little bit. Then, then you, it was valid. Then you were legit? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I, I love this story. So, you give yourself six months. You, what was the first job you got? What was the first call you got? The first... The first job I got was as a PA on um, this, like, it was like Saved by the Bell, and it was called Malibu CA. And when I think back, it was great because I got to be a set PA and an office PA. So I learned both, which was crazy because I've never been a set PA again. That's a totally different road. Um, so I learned the office. I would give scripts to grips. I would be up till like three in the morning delivering scripts to actors because it was before like email was really like the way to go. We had to give them like physical scripts. Um, I separated Sour Balls and Hershey Miniatures for the executive producer. So um, that was my first gig, but it was great. I mean, it was, it was more than I needed at the time. Like I didn't know that I was getting so much experience. So it was actually awesome. Um, hold for sound. Hey, Emily. Emily, can you, sorry, okay, thanks. Um, so, hold for rolling. So, PAs, that is the gruntiest it is. of grunt work ever. It is, and I, to this day, like when I see office PAs, I'm like, oh, I used to hate to do the grocery shopping. But then I'd be like, hey, English muffin for you, English muffin for me. Like, <laughs> oh, so you figured it out early. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you have to, because you're working. I remember working like 17 hours a day and making like money that I was like, oh my God, this is awesome, but never having any time to spend it. Because mm. we would, I mean, even Friday nights I'd work almost 20 hours. Like I was first in because I was low on the totem pole and I'd be last out. It's funny because, it's not funny, it's true. And I know that you're telling the truth because I worked as a grip 
and a PA in college. I worked yeah. as a PA and a grip on one show. It was an NBC movie of the week. Mm -hmm. I was non-union. This was NBC, yeah. And yeah. I've never before or since worked that hard. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. You're waiting around. Like, I ha would sit there from like nine at night or six at night till like midnight till these writers got done the scripts. I don't know what was so hard about Malibu CA, but they were there. And then I'd have to run all the scripts and then deliver to Brentwood and then one to Glendale to the director and then one to the five actors. So, and I was like, it was great too because I had my Thomas guide. I was learning LA. It really was thinking back like, wow, that was perfect. Okay, so two points of reference. I just want to clarify for those who have no idea what you just said. A Thomas Guide. A Thomas Guide. And they still make them. I, they do, but I don't know who's buying them. But People it's buy a them. Sin. It's a sin. They've Pe been put out of business. Pe it's a sin. It, yeah, Thomas Guide. It's a book of maps. So basically what you see on Google is put on individual pages. Yes. And you buy the book. I, I don't know. I don't even know if they're still around. but I think they are because okay. I think they sell them at Staples or okay. something. Okay, so it's an actual book of maps by city that you used to travel around. And the other thing that you said was explaining how you're, you're driving around to drop off scripts. Yeah. And in many cases, they still do that for the paper scripts because a lot of the actors like to, like to actually yeah. physically touch them. But actors, by and large, depending on the level of success, if, you know, if it's a low-budget, non-union, yeah. non-studio project, then everyone, everyone's in Hollywood or Burbank. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I was like, because this guy had done Saved by the Bell, actually. So he was like this huge producer living in Brentwood. I could go there, but I know where, I know where he lives. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I could still do my route, basically. I knew. And then the one actor lived in this building. You couldn't buzz in. I'd have to wait for someone to leave. And it was like midnight on a Friday night. And everybody would be out partying. I'd be like, ah. Oh. And then one actor, I'd have to throw it over to on his balcony because I could never get into his building. Like... And jamming out in my car, in my Saturn. Like, it was awesome at the time. Okay, another <laughs> point of reference. A they don't Saturn. Even make Saturns anymore. I'm a throwback waiting to happen. This is, this is, we had a Saturn, too. Saturn was oh made by GM. It was I had three. Greatest car in the That's world. That's all I ever did was yeah. get a Saturn after Saturn. Yeah. yeah. Greatest car in the world. And I you love them. They didn't negotiate. You just, what, yeah, the, what the price was, it. the price was. They were the only company that would let my dad buy it in Jersey and then... I could pick it up here. That's the only reason I ended up with a Saturn, thank God, but it worked out. That's I brilliant. Loved them. <laughs> I loved them. So how did you jump from office work to set work? So those, the designer and set decorator on that show, I then like kind of talk with them and say, okay, this is what I need to get into. And then after that show, I started sending out resumes to art departments. Then I knew, okay, this is what you do to get into art departments. And so then I would call, I think it was still like, I'd be like, okay, my favorite show, ER. Well, I'm gonna call ER. All right, hey, NBC, can I have ER? ER, okay, production, because they never say the name when you call the show. Production, art department? Okay, hold, art department. Art department, hi, can I have your fax number so I can send them a resume? You never, they never say the name of the show, and all you do is just call shows, ask for that little tree, and I would fax out like every day. I would just try to get, and I got a movie in the art department as an art, um, art department PA. And um, <laughs> the best part is I'm still, really good, I'm still really good friends with those people. But it turned union. 
and I could have gotten in on my first show, and it still kind of gets me that no one offered it. <laughs> Taft Hartley? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So, so that is when um, a show is non-union, and it's going to turn to union, so you automatically, or if you work that many days on that film, the 30 days, you will be accepted into the union. Yes. And if you get accepted into the union, it means a huge jump. Yeah. In pay, in benefits, in everything. Everything. Yeah. It's your goal. Yeah. Like, I have, I have given s such advice to people who ever contact me. How do I do this? How do I get... And I'm like, it's really... It's like right place, right time. And it is. And you... Obviously, we all did it. We all... You know, people working, it happens. It's just this weird, magical thing that you either get... It, it's an absurd amount of days if you tried to get days without that something turning union. I don't even really know what it is. It's like 200 days. It's like ridiculous. It would, it's ridiculous. So I would give everybody my spiel of you get the production weekly, you do this and do this, and just keep at it. And I know plenty of people who did that, but I don't even know if that works these days. Like, I don't... I was going to ask you, if, if, first of all, because nobody has a fax machine anymore. No. Well, no. I know. <laughs> I know. Do you know what's funny? I, I'm... I, digress. Uh, somebody actually asked me to fax them something I, uh, I, about six months ago, and, and I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I know. I just, I was not about to figure had, out how to fax again. I'm not going backwards. No, I'm not going backwards. Well, I, yeah. And, and it's like, it's, there's something on the computer you can fax, and it's like, it costs you money now if you want to fax through the computer. It's weird. Actually, I, what, I, what I wound <laughs> up doing for it is I wound up going to a mailbox's one of those mailbox stores. <laughs> and, and where there's, there was like, er, er. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. dial-up. It was dial-up, and it was like three bucks a page. Like, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, okay. So, total sidetrack. Um, it's a lot. When did you know that you made it in the business? Was it an Emmy nom? Was it a show in particular? What was it that let you know? It's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in the business now. How about I'll let you know? No. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm still, I'm still in all of it all, in a sense. Like, um, I, I think, realistically, um, I'd have to say when I didn't have to stalk people for work, and when work came to me. I think that's when I started to feel like, oh, okay, people want to work with me. I don't have to send out a million emails and I'm available. Like, and I, I don't know how that sounds, but I just know that that's probably the feeling of, of, of like, okay, I can, people want to work with me. So it's interesting because I, I don't, it doesn't sound weird at all. As a matter of fact, it doesn't sound, set decoration, the movie business, doesn't sound any different to me than any other no. business. It's, it's your people that are calling you know you for your work or you've worked with before right. they want to collaborate with you again because you've you've earned a reputation right um or they've seen what you've done and they want those types of results i always say it's not who you know it's who remembers you it's not if i might know this designer but he's not gonna if he doesn't want to work with me he's not gonna call me it's him wanting to him remembering me from something so i yeah, I would say that that's it. I think the the Emmys and I mean it's been completely amazing and and 
I'm, I still like, I pick it up all the time just to get the weight of it. <laughs> when, when, was, when was your first Emmy nomination and what was it for? It was for Bones in 2009. And I don't know why, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but we got nominated, which mm -hmm. was awesome. Um, I did not win. Um, and then two years ago for Veep. And then this past year for Veep, I won. So yeah. Congratulations. Fun. Thanks. That's fun. Nobody tells you how to prepare for an award show. No. So. It, well, it's geek prom. It's like a geek prom. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know. There's no corsage. Or was there a corsage? No. No, there's no corsage. You're right. But no. so, so here's the thing, though. You have to figure out, these sound so stupid, but you have to figure out who to wear, what to wear, what you can't yeah. wear. When do you go? How do you get there? When do you arrive? Who oh, do yeah. you talk to? Who do you not talk to? Yeah. I'm big on, I'm big on, I work the room. I say hi to you. Oh, my God, you look great. This is so exciting. Who's, who else is here? I don't know. All right. All right. I'll see you. I'll see you later. So you, have, I, your, you have your top five. That's what you yeah. do. You look great. Nice to see yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And then I move on. That's a game plan. That's awesome. Because you, cause I've learned that. Because I've learned you get into conversations. I mean, if you really want to talk to someone, obviously you're going to talk to them and that's different. But if you're just at an event thing, you want to say hi to everyone because we never see each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I'm at events for the SDSA, which is decorators. Or if I'm at uh, an academy event, then it's, then it's a mix, but not a lot of people. Uh, it's not as uh, crowded or and or I don't know as many people. So th in that sense, I try to work a room. It's just, it's just a different thing. Like you want to see everyone who's there and you see people oh my God, I worked with you 10 years ago. I haven't seen you in so long. Then you, you, know, you have a conversation, but I like, to, I like to have everybody. I like to say hi to everybody. So how do you dress an oval? An oval? How do you office? dress an oval office? Well, I, I'm uh, lucky in a sense. I inherited that set since I came in on season five. It's so funny. That was the, like the following question. Like, but, how do you put your own stamp on another set decorator's project? Or do you, or do you, okay. Well, I, that's a, I think that's interesting because I've, I'm one of those decorators who comes in and takes over shows, and then I'm the closer. I take it till the end. But, um, so, but I feel like I'm very respectful to the decorator's choices. And especially like in Parks and Recreation, where things, you know, or, or the Oval Office, things are iconic in a sense that you, I'm not gonna change that. that that's a great, I, even if I disagree with it, it's been established, I don't wanna screw with it. But I did get to redo the Oval um, for the, the following president on Veep, and it's, it's a tremendous amount of research of w what would they actually pick from, what, would, what, it, what is available for them, what types of artwork do they really use, is, is it a choice that the, that president has or the first lady has. And um, we, the, the production designer, Jim Gloucester, and I do a tremendous amount of research for that. So, yeah. How do you go from something like that that is very well established to something like The Good Place, 
which is completely, not only is it not established, but it's, it's kind of because it's fantasy and because clearly the kids watch the show, the kids love the show. Yeah. And um, oh, good. You, you, it changes direction yeah. so much by season, you don't know where it's going. It gives you, as a, as a set decorator, a really wide berth. There's a lot of, there's a lot of freedom in it. Um, the creator, Mike Scher, did have a couple of rules, uh, especially in the first season, not to tip off the viewers about what the, the big surprise is. Um, the use of red was kind of a no-no because they didn't want anything to be associated with hell. They wanted the fantasy that it was all heaven. I wasn't there the first season. I took over, of course. But um, the second season, they lightened up a little bit because the joke was sort of out. Um, and the, the, the fun part about it is, is the interaction with um, visual effects also, because there's a lot of VR on that show. And, well, if we get this piece, can you, like, make it twirl away? Or, like, you know, um, the set extensions that we do on that show f to make that architect's office look like infinity and, and stuff like that, um, that's, that's fun, too. There's a, there is a criteria on that show where they try to keep to this, it's weird that it's like, it's heaven, but it's analog. Like they're all using old ledgers and they're all using like old adding machines and stuff. So, which I really love that they've made that choice to, to go that. So I came into that as, as far as that, but like, you know, these little pop-up sets of like Tahani's bedroom and it can be extravagant and everything and over the top is great. I love it. I mean, it, it, we had the same thing on Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec was like the best show to ever work on because one minute you're doing the, you're doing like a snow globe museum and then the next minute you're in Ron's wood shop or, you know, the cabin and it's, it's just, it was great to get that variety. It's funny because I have so many questions for you and they're piling up as you're talking and it's the greatest <laughs> oh. thing. No, no, no. It's the greatest thing ever. Um, so, you've kind of become this person who comes in as a professional you come in and you kind of replace others who have who have started projects yeah. the for, only the only show i've had is love <laughs> the only show i've started and then i left was love and it was that was really hard like i was like i'm leaving my child this is hard i have this is a stupid question no no it is why why are why is anyone replaced in in a job but why this this seems like it's an artistic endeavor, and it seems like it's something that, for continuation purposes, if you were, if you were just to take the the you know the actor, the starring actor, and replace and them. replace them with someone, unless you're bewitched, again yeah. throwback. I'm not going to explain bewitched to you, but unless you're bewitched, you know nobody's going to really know, or people are going to know that that happened, and they're going to be like, well, wait a minute, why 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 the change? I feel, if if someone's paying attention to the show. The, the, the way a set is dressed, the way the decoration works on a set, is there's a style there. There definitely is. I think it's a bigger transition if they change DPs. I think that's a bigger change. I think, I, think I, would, uh, I would hope as a decorator, you have, to, you, you have to maintain the show. You have to maintain, like, that's Leslie's desk. That's what's on the desk. And then maybe over the season or, or something, you can transition a couple of things that you, you don't agree with.
but I think for continuity of the viewer, you have to, you, you have to take what you're given and then, and then go with it. But the reason I think that it's much more likely that decorators and designers leave shows is timing. And especially now that there's really like 13, season, 13 episode seasons and we're not doing full seasons like we used to. Things are starting later, things are ending later, and we don't have this like, this is pilot season, this is, it's, it's all, it's, it's, no, it's it crazy. starts today. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And you're like, I never started a show June 9th, and you're, you're starting it. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy, and um, you know, it's getting crazier all the time. I, a, a few years back, I was talking to George Lopez, and he, was, he, was, he had his show, I forgot what network it was on, but he had one of those 1090 rule shows, oh. where basically they sign you for 10 episodes, and if that goes well, then they sign you for 90. Oh, wow. You know, or they sign you for the, for, you know, it's, it's a five-year oh, yeah. five deal. They sign you for one, and if one goes well, then they yeah, sign you for, for the remaining four. Yeah, that's nice. Well, it's nice. But, but then you're stuck. But then you're stuck. Yeah. And if you're a designer, you know, if you're a, rather a set decorator, who you're going into a 10-episode season, you're doing the work, you're, you don't have a job. No, I don't have a job. You've got to keep working. Yeah. So do you sign up for something else or do you take the chance? Yeah. I mean, that's scary. But what I do like about this, because I feel like I got in on it a little bit early too with the ending of Parks and Rec being at a December point. So then I started up Love and did 10 episodes and then I did Veep 10 episodes and then I went back. So I'm getting to do two shows a year that are completely different. So I'm not stuck in, not that I'm stuck, but I'm not in a 24-episode cycle at this point, which I really love. Yeah. Um, tell me about the concept. I love this. The concept of the set decorator opening the set. That, to me, is like the primary, that's why you're there. You're there to, you're there to dress a set, and then you're there when camera gets there, the director gets there, even though you've already had meetings, you've already talked about, oh, this setup's gonna be great. Well, you get there and then, you know, the DP or maybe the actors, they wanna walk over to that side of the room and that's where the bar should be. And so you have to be there to make adjustments and I think it's, it's set protection. That's my work and if I disagree that the bar should be over there, I, at least I get a voice to say it. And sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. I've gotten into fights about chairs. Have you? Oh my God, yeah. Do you remember one in particular? You don't have to mention any names. Well. Or give me names if you want to, because <laughs> I, I, I love that. Um, I just, there was like a, 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 like a, I'll call it an AA meeting type thing. And um, the person was sitting in a specific chair that I thought was great for that character. And the DP came in and said, all right, just we'll switch that chair over there. Because he thought I left, I guess. And so I saw my onset dresser taking the chair out. And I said, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, he said to change the chairs. And I go, no, no, no. That doesn't affect his shot. Like, I don't. The, 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 it was slight enough that it, it didn't affect him. It was actually because it was a little bit lower than the other chairs and he wanted them higher. And I said, well then just apple box it. Don't change my chair. This is the thing I've always said too. 
with DPs, I, I love them because they light the set and make it look good. But don't touch my shit. Like, oh, now we gotta, let's move everything over six inches. Hey, let's just move the camera. Can we just move the camera over and not move 25 pieces of furniture? Like, I don't, it doesn't behoove them to ever say like, I used to work with a DP and he would say, clear all of this out. I'm only gonna shoot this. And it would be heartbreaking because I would dress for walls and he would say, I need, because it was one hour, I need this for Dolly Track. And I get it, but don't stand there and say like, take all of this out. And he would do it repeatedly and I, it, so I don't, I constantly feel like I'm defensive and I think opening a set, you have to be there. You have to defend your, these are my choices, if it comes to that. In, in, in that conversation, the hierarchy, yeah. the, you know, above the line, below the line, everyone's got their spot, everyone's got their credits, everyone's got, you know, my credit has to read this. And as a PA, you're separating. Yeah, he um, sour balls. Sour he didn't ball. like purple. He didn't like, he didn't want to put, he didn't want to take his eyes off of whatever he was doing to look in the bowl and accidentally grab a purple one. Okay, and by, <laughs> by the way, since they're all made with the same recipe, just different food coloring, it it's the, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, oh my gosh, the green M&Ms became your, your sour balls, <laughs> yes, yes. which has now become some variation or of, uh, of avocado toast, yeah. apparently. Right. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Aren't you glad you're not doing that anymore? But. Yeah. But. But I still deal with stuff. You still deal with stuff. So how does that work when one creative in your role gets into sort of creative difference? Here's the distinction. If it's for Dolly Track, I get that. But if, if a DP, a DP doesn't just walk on the set and say, okay, let's, let's generally they're going to walk the set prior to that there, no. you don't think so no so, I mean I've it you know why because I work on a lot of locations they've never been there they've seen pictures of it before it was dressed but I'm literally getting there the day of or sometimes the morning of and dressing it and they're walking into okay so you don't get a you don't get a plan that says you know we're, we're going to do a dolly shot here we're going to do no I know. mean I when we scout it they the director will say okay, we'll do this. It's, it's the director saying it. There's a lot of difference between a director saying this is what I want the action is and, the, and sometimes, sometimes, the reality of what the DP can do. And I get that struggle too because it's like, well, if we bring them over to the bar over there, we'll, we'll have the light. And the director didn't think, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. So I can only do, I can only adjust when we're scouting to what the director wants. But the DP and, and the director might have a different plan once they get there. And that's fine. That's why I'm there. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, but. So, two final questions. Um, now that you have the Emmy, d does your mom back off a little bit? Yeah. Okay. They backed off. Okay. And um, what are you working on next? I roll right into Veep. It's our last season. Um, thankfully, we're back. Julia is healthy. And so um, I start that in July. We start shooting in August. And then I'm done in December. Awesome. Yeah. So, and then, I'm, you know, if anybody needs a decorator, I'm available. <laughs> Kimberly, thank you for doing this. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. This is awesome.
Carnival by Design is proud to be working with Vendôme Dome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendôme pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendôme products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendôme spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendôme mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendôme before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at Vendôme.com.